0: Greetings! Welcome back to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. I have a very special treat for you. I may have mentioned in the past that I have been working on a song about Firefly, the TV show, and in the last couple days I have started recording it. And I just did a vocal take today that I think is pretty good. Pretty good. It's one whole take. Uh, This is definitely not the final vocal, but I just really wanted to share the song with all of you people since I'm so excited about it. I stayed up until four in the morning last night working on the synths for this. So this is a couple days worth of work, very very early in the recording process, but uh, enough is done for me to be super fucking excited about how this song is going. So I present to you my brand new song, a work in progress for the sci-fi album called "Battle Cry of the Browncoats." <laughs> theme synth pop is the best idea ever (laughs) firefly is something that's uh very near and dear to me you know we haven't talked about it that much on the show in the past but man that's uh really really high up on my list very close to next generation as far as i'm concerned for being best sci-fi show ever ever to be on the tv uh i really wanted to write a song about the feeling that i got from watching firefly because there's nothing that really compares to that feeling of being out in space with this crew of misfits. Uh, man, I would like, dream about it sometimes. i dream that I was traveling with the crew. I knew who they were, but they didn't know me. And I just really wanted them to like me so that they would let me stay on the ship, stay on Serenity and fly with them wherever they were going. I don't know if any show's ever really captured that family feeling so well. This crew of disparate strangers just really become family so quickly. And then you feel like you're part of that family. It's a very powerful show. Uh, Huge fucking fan of this show, so I really gave myself a challenge. Like, how can I sum up everything I love about this show into a song? And the verses of the song only have about twenty words each. So, besides the chorus, I've got like forty words to say everything I want to say. So, what do I say? You know, like, how do I how do I sum it all up? It took me several days and several revisions to get the lyrics right. I started the lyrics months ago, and I had a verse and a half done that I kind of liked. But in the last couple of days when I started trying to record the song, I scrapped almost all of it and rearranged most of it. So the lyrics that I settled on, the first verse is, On our own again, peering eyes cannot find me and mine. Flying low again, knowing nothing can take my sky. Second verse, fly into the black. Take what we need, keep this boat in the sky. Never looking back, we cross the verse in this ship of mine. So I just wanted something super simple, that was very evocative of the, of the show, maybe throw in a little bit of the language of the show because the language of it is so wonderful and so unique and individual to that particular show. Um, and then just kind of make it a battle cry, you know? I need serenity in my life. And I think of it both as Mal Reynolds singing as the singer in the song, but also as the fans. Like I need serenity in my life, you know, I need that fucking ship flying around. And I'm definitely talking about the TV show, I'm not as wild about the movie. That's a whole Whole can of worms that I'm not opening right now. Anyway, Battle Cry of the Brown Coats. Sneak peek just for, just for you folks. If you're one of my Patreon supporters, I will send you that recording so you can have it and play it and love it and make other people jealous by owning it. If you'd like to become one of my Patreon supporters, you can do so at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. So right now I'm working on several songs at once. I'm working on Saturn, which is going super well. I started a song called Time Machine, which is really funny so far. (laughs) I'll tell you more about that once it's a little more developed. And then I'm also working on Cold Dead World and Lightspeed. The last two I've been working on for a while, and Lightspeed's actually not going that well. Uh, I know I played you works in progress of that. The song has kind of lost its way somewhere. It's getting overproduced. It's getting kind of stuck towards the end of production. I just can't quite figure out what's wrong with it, what's missing from it. It's not really... um, not really great. So I've been thinking about maybe throwing that away and then trying again on that song, maybe rewriting it a little bit and coming back to it. Either way, I'm going to put that down for now and focus on these other songs because they're going so much better. Uh, This one in particular and Saturn are going super, super well. Yeah, so hopefully I'll have some more songs finished for you sometime very soon. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes this episode. Last week, Barney Britton and I discussed Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and after we talked about that, we just kept on chatting, drinking whiskey. I'd seen Barney recently at a bar, and we'd gotten to talking about Brexit, and he had a lot to say about it, so I wanted to make sure I asked him about that while he was here so we could record his response. Because uh, I think myself, like a lot of Americans, have absolutely no idea what's going on, and... As we'll discuss in this episode, Americans aren't really taught about politics from other countries. Like, I I could not describe to you the political system in the UK. I couldn't do it. I mean, I can barely describe the political system in our society. So we talked about Brexit. We talked about uh, a little bit about politics, which is unusual for the show, but hey, why the hell not? And a whole bunch of other shit that you should stay tuned for. Very interesting conversation. Just super cool to talk to somebody who's very intelligent and has a lot to say. So here's uh, Barney, Britton, and I. We're going to start out talking about men's grooming, and I promise we'll move on from that. seen you i just love listening to you talk and it's not just because of your wonderful accent because you just have a lot to say i just like listening to you talk and i I just really wanted you to come on the show because i I I talk talk. talk
1: so quietly you have to work so hard (laughs) to actually hear anything i'm saying it sounds like i'm making it worth it i'm not it's all Mm. just nonsense
0: you're very you're a very interesting person we've only hung out (laughs) twice before this but we had very interesting conversations i still remember
1: you as a bearded man which reminds me did you get your trimmer in the mood i got that trimmer did you use it yeah I mean, how was it? It was, it's like, I was thinking about. I say, like, what's a metaphor that would impress Jesse for the podcast? It's like a 19th century gardener who's responsible for a large and unruly estate, <laughs> right? And he's been scything, he's been scything the lawns and the, and the, the little, the details, the flower beds. he's been scything them manually for 20 years. Yeah. And someone gets him his first electric lawnmower. <laughs> he's like, holy,
0: this, is this? This is so true.
1: And now he's like... Whew. And now he's just, he's just mowing. He's mowing all the time. Mowing doesn't oh need to God. mow.
0: This is exactly how I felt. Just for the okay. fun of it. So, just like straight up uh, product placement. You can do We're edging. not getting paid for this. You can do
1: full beard. Or you, you can just do... I've just done details. I've just yeah. done edging.
0: The, the so Norelco One Blade is this new product. Philips Norelco One Blade. It's absolutely remarkable. You know
1: how this is... Sorry. I know we can swear. I, I talk about this product... In the, the mere, the, the the little under a week that I've had it, in the same way as certain ladies talk about the Hitachi. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, I know, yeah, I know you know what I mean, but like, you don't know. Like, until you try it, you don't know.
0: And it's so funny because when we, when I saw you the other day, I was saying like, I was, I went on for probably a solid 15 minutes about yeah. how life-changing this product was. yeah. yeah. It's literally the dream shaving device. And I sound so funny. No, it's like you go, like, you know,
1: I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, electric shavers. I know, I know, I know. But trust me, this one.
0: Yeah. You, this one. This is the one. This is fucking amazing. This is what we've all been waiting for.
1: I can, I could do, if I wanted to, I could do right angles. Mm-hmm. It's a wet shave without having my face, uh, like, covering my face in yeah. it. You see this stuff. stubble right here? Yeah.
0: This is uh, completely crafted is by... Is that controlled? Is that is controlled the... stubble.
1: I, uh. like, had five days of stubble. I cut it down to one. That's... That's like incredible. That's airbrush stubble stubble. That's I know, right? that's how good that is.
0: I even like you see this like I stubbled in a sideburn over here. That's like if Isn't one that of, amazing?
1: That's like if one of like Microsoft Halo's graphic artists came in and like gave <laughs> and I, you and stubble. And I
0: shaved the neck completely. This is completely sculpted. None of this is real. That's this bo- is that's boolean. All CG on my face. <laughs> uh it's a it's a remarkable device. No, it's
1: incredible. And yeah. uh, I've been reading up on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um because I like I like to do that. Good yeah. things. <laughs> i like and uh you can't charge it for more than 24 hours but if you but if you keep to the 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 normal charge discharge cycle it can shave for 45 minutes yeah without without running down 40 i mean that's a hell of a beard yeah 45 minutes
0: i've charged it once and i've had it for a week really yeah and i've used it almost every day i watch the videos of it online and i don't know if i've I can't remember ever being more excited for something to show up in the mail besides maybe Star Wars Insider Magazine when I was 12. Uh, I'm just like, it's coming. Is it here today? No, I Is it get here it. Today? I, mean, I
1: thought, honestly, I, I met you as a bearded man, and yeah. uh, I, I'm i still not wholly sold on the, the beardless And dressing. as we
0: discussed, I'm, I take that very personally. I feel but like no, I mean, you it, think there's something wrong with my face. No, it's, okay. uh,
1: I think it's a, it's a compliment uh, uh, relating to how good your beard was. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think... From one one bearded man to another, I yeah. think your your beard is the kind of beard that I would want. Interesting. From you have a, beard. a very nice beard, it's it's all different directions. It's all it's you all. You say over that, place. and I don't know what that it means. Swirls like mad around my ears. I see. Anyway, the Noralco Phillips Noralco one blade. <laughs> Phillips Noralco one blade.
0: Phillips Noralco, send me some free one blades. Please. I
1: very very nearly completely shaved my beard off,
0: just to see what it felt just like. Just to use it. Yeah. The first day I got I'm it, I'm not making that up. I trimmed my beard down to what. So something like this, mm. and then I shaved the rest off. I just like wasn't done playing with it, and I yeah. just wanted to shave. No, it. I get it. But as just a shaver, just to shave every day, it's amazing. You don't need to use anything. You can do it dry. You can go against the grain. You can do everything you've always wanted to do to your face with it. You can it.
1: do it. You can do it wet too. Like it's an electric razor, you can use with lava. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can like use shaving cream, and it feels incredible. Or you cannot. It doesn't I, matter.
1: I'm I'm taking a vac well, I'm taking a vacation for supposedly 2 weeks. I think only one of them is actually going to be a real vacation, but I'm taking a vacation starting Monday. And I am very tempted just to completely shave my beard off.
0: Oh yeah, you should. Because if it doesn't work out, you can grow it back before you come back to work.
1: Yeah, maybe I should. How long have you been bearded? Um I look about 12. Without a beard, so really? I've had a beard since I was about thirteen. <laughs> no, um, I've had a I've had a beard on and off now since I was about twenty-one. Really? Yeah. And how old are I'm you just now? very lazy. I'm thirty-four now. It's a little bit older than you. How old were you when you moved to the states? Um, I've been in, in the states. I was an Obama immigrant. Um, so oh, I first wow. I first not strictly speaking. I first came out to Seattle in November two thousand eight when he got elected. Just yeah. coincidence. I was just an election tourist. And then two years after that, almost to the day, actually, I was relocated. My, my office got relocated to Seattle. Just wow. total coincidence. So I've been out here since November 2010.
0: What's it like to switch countries? What does that feel like?
1: Um, at the time, actually, surprisingly painless. I mean, I had huh. no... Um, I didn't have... still don't have a family of my own. Um, I didn't have a long-term partner. I didn't have a long-term lease on the apartment I was living in, in London. And London is insanely expensive. Oh, it's, yeah. it's like... it's It's... It may even be more than New York expensive at this point. it's crazy, so I was at the point where I'd been living in London for about i think three years, four years, and I would either have had to move considerably far out of London to afford to continue to lit to work in London or career change so this in yeah. you know, my office um my business was acquired my my the company I work for was acquired by amazon um longer like ten years ago. But in 2010, they finally made the decision to actually relocate the office. So they pulled us all, they uprooted everyone, and moved us to Seattle. So I've been here since. Yeah.
0: Culturally, was there any sort of shock?
1: No, not really. Yeah. It, the world is very small now. Yeah. And it, you know, I think on the, just while on the topic of sci-fi, that you can get pretty much just some of basic like stuff you miss from back home. I mean, you can get anything you want. It's it's yeah. kind of cool, but it's at the same time. It does make traveling... I travel a lot for work and it does make traveling just that little bit less innovating than it used to be because there's no... You know... There's nothing... The specialness of being in a foreign country now is much less concrete, you know, Hmm. uh, because a lot of the the stuff you want to eat, the stuff you want to buy, the stuff you, you bring home as presents for friends... You can get it anywhere. Yeah. And with the, you know, the the incredible explosion of just information and cultural information sharing in the past 10, 10 15 years is such that you know what you, on the whole, you know what you're going to get. So when you're traveling now, you've got to make a real effort to disconnect from your expectations of a place and just yeah. take it. For, you know, take all experiences as they, as they come in because everyone and knows what Japan's like because everyone's got the fucking internet
0: I think that disconnecting your expectations and seeing things for what they are is actually brilliant advice for all aspects of life well
1: I think it's increasingly important now too yeah. because I mean there's a theory going around that things aren't worse now than they were we just know more about the bad stuff now than we did and I don't completely I buy that into that yeah Part of that is true. That now yeah. we're bombarded with so much information yeah. and so much sharing of information, the sensational always bubbles to the top. But anyway, to the original point, really, the world is so small that you can I can talk to friends back home in real time on Facebook mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, even there's a t- eight hour time difference, but you know that means that most people are in bed during my mid to late afternoon.
0: Yeah. With plus you that also
1: exception everyone's available all the time
0: you also have the benefit of all Americans thinking that all British people are really intelligent
1: just because you know the I never accent... you know I never saw that the only thing my accent has ever got me in America is is the wrong order in Starbucks or like a misheard oh really name yeah the only rubber. the only the only thing that ever happens as a consequence of my accent and my my weirdly unusual name is 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 just frustrating misunderstandings. you think you need <laughs> do
0: Barney Britton doesn't sound like an unusual name to me. It's
1: confusing because I used to live in France for a spell about 12, no, God, God, 15 years ago. Anyway, I used to live in France 15 years ago. And um, having a surname, my surname is Britton. Yeah. It's endlessly confusing. Apropos of nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, we know where you're from, but what's your... (laughs) Seriously, what's your name? I'm Jesse America. (laughs) I moved moved here. uh, This person is a friend now, actually. She used to work in the the shoe shop on on Broadway on QFC. But when I first moved here, I got my shoes fixed at the Broadway shoe shop. And and she said, "Okay, what's your name for the order? And I said, my name's Barney Britton. She went, fuck off. That's not your name. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure. I'm dreadfully sorry. Wait, let me check my idea. That is my name. And she said, "Uh, no, that's not your name. Fuck off. There's no way your name is Barney Britton. And you're from Britain And I said yeah No it is She's like how does She's like how does that happen And I'm like well It's an accident of birth I mean like, you know, I was born in England In Great Britain And my my, my dad's name's Colin Britton So I, I, I didn't have much say In the matter But wow. Anyway yeah I'll take that line of questioning Over the purple dinosaur line Which is <laughs> The Barney <laughs> yeah. um,
0: I, So I saw you like Right after the the Brexit vote happened. Oh yeah, how did I look? You how? were really pale. I was like I mean, really angry. You were really angry. Yeah. And I I will tell you the truth. I had no idea that that vote even existed until after it happened.
1: Funny because I don't think half of the population of the United Kingdom really knew it existed either. Yeah. Um, it was
0: not publicized here until it happened. Yeah. So explain it to us. What the fuck happened?
1: Well, I, I would for the benefit of anyone listening to this who is, who is who is actually living and paying taxes in the United Kingdom, I apologise. Obviously, I am not. So I speak as an outsider to some extent. I can't. I, I had I sorted out the, you know, the 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 mailing the vote in. I could probably have figured that out. I could probably have voted in that referendum. I didn't. Basically, the. To go back a little bit, what happened was we have two main parties in the UK, the same as you have in the States. You have the Tory party, the the Conservative party, the nearest proxy for that would be the Republicans, but they're fucking far less batshit insane than the Republicans are currently. They're (laughs) centre-right. Okay. And then we have the Labour Party who are centre-left, and traditionally, essentially it's a two-party system. Um, But in 2000 and, I want to get this right, 2010, I think, um, the Conservatives narrowly won an election so narrowly, they had to go into a coalition government with the Liberal Democrats, who are somewhat the left of Labour, usually. They're sort of floating around on the left side. Never been within a sniff of power, really, in my lifetime, but they suddenly ended up in this coalition with the Conservatives because of electoral mathematics. Huh. So, anyway, it's not a bad thing, because they essentially acted as a moderator for the, of the Conservatives' worst instincts for four years. But then what started happening is that the there's this really weird party called the u k Independence Party, whose single raison d'etre is let's get the u k out of Europe because British people of a certain age just don't like the idea of us being in the european Union because they, think, they remember the time before no, not really, no one does because it, we, it we've the European Union came to existence in the late 1940s um, yeah. as a pan territorial agreement to to promote trade yeah. And to prevent things like the Second World War from yeah. happening ever again. Yeah. So you know, everyone, by and large degree, by and large degree, it was a good idea. <laughs> Unlike <laughs> Great, the
0: creation of the Great universe. Britain <laughs> is
1: an island nation. Uh, let's let's try and trick a lot of other people into believing that we're not, mm. and trade with us like we're uh, you know an equal partner in this on the continent. Um, anyway, so this this the European Union lasted for about whatever it was, 1940. So, 48, 49, maybe I could be getting that wrong. Late 40s until basically like a few weeks ago. So, as far as Great Britain's concerned. Yes, yeah. exactly. Not still, the rest of the European Union. Still years. exists for now. Um, They're still hanging out, but yeah, UK is no longer invited Vladimir, to the Vladimir Putin, among his many other machinations, is currently attempting to weaken the, 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 the eastern edge of it, but regardless. So you've got this party called the UK Independence Party who, that exists purely to push the message of let's leave the European Union. But The idea being it's too much red tape, we're paying too much a year into the European Union, we're not getting enough back. Yeah. And they are of that proportion of the right wing, which is anti-immigration, mm-hmm. which actually is a very weird argument to try and fold into an economic argument because it doesn't make any sense at all, actually young working Age men from other nations who are grateful for the asylum tend to be very good for your workforce. Um, the the anti-immigration argument for, um, for for job job protection is is a red herring and always has been. Anyway, as part of the UK Independence Party, we're pushing that message like this: too many, essentially, there's too many brown people around. Let's agree to throw them, to close the borders, throw them all out, or stop more of them from coming in. So what happens is they begin to chip away at the slightly more extreme right of the Tories' traditional center-right support. Okay. So Cameron is in a bit of a bind. He's basically... He's looking at a lot of his center-to-far-right support being chipped away at by this, like, essentially an extremist party. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of anti-Europeanism in the Tory party anyway, has been forever. So he says, all right, here's a deal. If we win the next election, which was... Uh, 2012, 13. Um, I promise I will hold a full referendum on membership in the European Union. As Prime Minister, if you elect me as Prime Minister, I promise you will have your say in a referendum. To hold on to these extremists. To leave, no, to leave the European Union or to remain. I mean, so that he
0: would win that vote
1: by the extremists the, voting for him. Basically. Point being that yeah, he yeah. could get those people who are wavering on the edge of Tories versus UKIP to go, alright I'll throw my weight behind David Cameron because then I'll get to vote for what I really believe in, which is leaving or remaining in the European Union. Yeah. Anyway, so that's enormously risky. But the risk paid off in the short term, he won the election. And then of course now he's, he's gotta do it. Got to do it. So he held this election, this referendum. Uh thinking and truly believing for good reasons that on the whole, most right thinking people would not choose to undo fifty years worth of common legislature and leave an economic structure which we've grown up with for three generations yeah unfortunately what he didn't count on was the ironically the ukip party turned the referendum away from being what it essentially was which is an economic referendum they turned it right back into big immigration question where they said if we leave the european union we'll get we'll regain control over our borders yeah all these bloody poles and syrians will stop coming into the country you know the corner shops will stop selling samosas they'll start <laughs> selling sausage rolls again you'll stop hearing polish on the street you'll stop you know you'll never see an islamic school ever again all this nonsense wow. um i'm oversimplifying from a very racist i'm oversimplifying greatly but yeah. the the uh, unfortunately that message and we've seen it happen here too mm-hmm. is very easy to sell to people whose lives are kind of in the toilet because if you say your life's shit but it's not your fault it's yeah. that guy's fault. Yeah, It's just what Hitler did.
0: It's what they want to it's hear. It's just what
1: Trump is doing. Yeah, It's not about people being stupid. It's about people being misled and misinformed. And it's a lot easier to rally people it's around the words. On people's fear. Rallying people around the word no is a lot easier than rallying them around the word yes. Yeah. And so essentially the, the referendum question basically got hijacked by one very strong, pure message, which was, an anti-immigration message. And then all of the, you know, nine out of 10 or more experts were saying, no, we shouldn't leave the European Union. This is a terrible idea. This is like, this is a lost generation kind of thing. This This is disastrous potentially for the country. And Cameron and all the rest of them were pretty sure that that vote would win the day because it just made complete sense. Like, why would you take a complete leap into the unknown? And also the immigration question economically is a red herring. (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, and then in the end, what happened was that the, the population, the, the, the real tragedy of it is that the, the population centers that voted most consistently to leave the European Union were those that have the lowest level of immigration and vice versa. Those that voted to remain were the ones with the highest level of immigration. Wow. So the messaging went, uh, the, the control of the messaging was was taken over by the far right. And this is even... In the context of less than, I think, a fortnight before the vote, a Labour MP campaigning to remain in the European Union was shot in the head and killed. Really? By by a, a crazy guy who wow. was shouting right-wing slogans as he killed her in the street. Wow. That happened less than a fortnight before the vote, and the vote still went the way it went. Wow. And it's it's tragic because no one knows what's going to happen. And uh, the, the Leave campaign was spearheaded by people who never thought they'd win. And the minute they did win, they all pieced out. Yeah. I mean, they literally, they they pretty much all left or resigned. Yeah. It was, it's the most craven acts of political cowardice that I I can ever remember. And I grew up under Thatcher. (laughs) It's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. It's surreal. And you couldn't write it.
0: Yeah. It reminds me, when I was a kid, I lived in California and there was this a uh, piece of legislation called Prop 8. Yeah, I remember that. Which was to uh, to ban gay marriage, basically. So, if you voted yes on Prop 8, you were banning gay marriage. <clears throat> yeah. If you voted no on Prop 8, that means that you wanted gay marriage. But all of the signs all throughout the city said, vote yes on Prop 8 means that you support families. Uh, yeah. So, people thought that voting yes meant that they were voting for gay marriage, but they... The people that were putting those signs up meant that a family is a, a man and a woman, so that voting yes on that meant that it couldn't be between uh, people of, like same-sex couples. So the legislation passed, and the next day, the next morning, people realized what they'd voted for and were really upset. Well, that's
1: just sleight of hand. I mean, this yeah. this was um, this was more in, uh, insidious than that. This was basically a, a very very complicated uh, economic question. Hmm. being turned into a very simple um, question around people's perceptions of the country in which they live in and just like a lot of trump supporters now the country that they believe they live in is not the country that i know i live in yeah and i'm not just saying that you know seeing it through foreigners eyes it's like it's a there are people in the in the the you know west of the United States in those very depressed towns who genuinely like are shit scared of ISIS, and it, it's because they don't get the news from where you and I get our news from. Um, unfortunately, uh, the, the the vote went the way it went. No one knows what's going to happen. Everyone who was in charge of the Remain campaign, like I said, left, um, resigned, pieced out, and uh, here we are. So within about a fortnight, we'd had a change of government. All the major spear, you know, flag carriers of the, the successful campaign had gone, effectively. The Labour Party was pulling itself to pieces over unrelated issues, partly related, mostly unrelated. So we had this really weird two weeks where, well, actually, probably less than that. It must have been more like a week, 10 days, when none of the established political norms in, in the United Kingdom uh, held true. And then, you know, because Scotland had its referendum last year. What happens once generation where they where they they vote on whether they should leave the UK or not, mm-hmm. and Cameron's campaign for Scotland should remain in the UK was geared around like stay in the UK because it means you stay in the European Union. <laughs> so Scotland voted stay in the UK wow. this time around. They voted stay in the European Union. England then like votes leave the European Union Scotland's like well what the fuck yeah. like we voted your way twice and now th- this happens now Scotland's trying to find ways of seceding again to remain in to the a, European wow. Union because it's what they wanted to do in the first place it's fucked up so it, we it, in you know an incredibly compressed time frame we could see the European we could see the United, United Kingdom actually break up along along those lines and I don't blame Scotland for trying because yeah, yeah Jesus Christ
0: can, so, what is the possibility of of voting the other way? Like, how? What's the period of time in which this can come up on the ballot again?
1: Oh, it's done. No, it's a one shot deal, and they've made that the, the EU and and our government at the time made that very very clear. Like, this is not you don't get mulligans here. This, yeah. you don't get do overs.
0: How does that work? Because I, I know with like healthcare, there's the fear that if Donald Trump wins, then universal healthcare in whatever form it's in will go away uh, when the new you know, ruling regime comes in, which is like a huge reason to not vote for Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, one of several hundred. One of
0: several three. million reasons. Yeah. Um, so there's nothing like that in this situation?
1: No, there, there's no... Um, I, so a referendum is not... Technically, it's not binding. Hmm. But it would be, insofar as we have a constitution, it would be anti-constitutional. Unconstitutional to reverse or do over that vote. It's done. And the population have had their vote. Uh, there was 1.7 or 1.8 million votes in it. It was not a close run thing. Wow. Um, it was it was pretty clear. It was like 51 49, um, close-ish, but not close enough to say it was you know like. Uh, there yeah. was no statistical variance in it. it even even with like
0: the public outcry that's happening now. No,
1: because the people who the public outcry comes from the people that voted to remain. The public right. outcry is not from the camp that said, Oh we didn't mean it. No one's saying that. Or was saying, right. Yeah, we meant it, you know. Wow. Um so no one knows what's really going to happen. I think the the tragedy of it for me as a as a British person looking at it from a distance is that it's a very, very frightening um, demonstration of the fact that you can get people to vote um, without getting them to know what they're voting for. Yeah. And I... So t- there's two ways of looking at that in the context of the current election that's going on in the States or will be going on in a few months' time. One is that maybe people in the States look over the pond at England and they see the danger of a protest vote. And they go, ah, mm-hmm. let's not do that. mm mm-hmm. The more likely consequence is a they're not aware of it at all. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The other consequence is they look over at the at England and go, "Fuck yeah, people people in you know taking control back of their country." That's terrifying. That's what worries me. Is they'll look at Brexit and go, "Well, that we're onto something." Yeah. We can do that too. We can shift things that we can change things too. People, there are people out there, to quote Batman, who just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) I don't think there are enough of them to mess things up here in November. I don't think.
0: Well, everyone's been saying, like, the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because I'm concerned about the next election here in the States.
1: Oh really? Me? I've not heard. Is what's going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm not even paying attention to the news. I remember when uh, Trump's name was first being floated around, and everyone <clears throat> that I know on the just Simpsons in 1992, <laughs> everyone I know just dismissed it as a joke, and I never felt like it was a joke no. because um, I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but I had this very eye-opening experience when I went to visit a friend in Florida when Bush was president, and I. Maybe I haven't. I don't know if I've told the story or not, but uh, when I stepped off the plane, I was walking down like the, like through the, what's it called? Airport terminal. That's the word. <laughs> I was walking through the terminal and on the news was this incredibly pro-Bush um, like rhetoric.
1: How far back are we going here?
0: Oh, I don't remember. Second it was, term,
1: first term. Oh, it was right
0: before the second election. Yeah, like back in the time where like, we suffered through four years of Bush. and But the
1: worst hadn't happened yet, effectively. Right, right basically. Yeah. Second term is when it all went really well,
0: fast. Well, I mean, out. for me, the first term was like, I can't believe this guy oh, got elected. The first term
1: was like, bad. I, I was just like, <laughs> well,
0: finally, we have a chance to get him out. Yeah. And then I just thought, there's no possible way that Bush is going to stick around for a second term. No possible way. There's no way that people are that stupid. Uh, but then I went to Florida and I saw the news. And the news was, we can't wait to elect Bush again. Mm -hmm. And this light bulb just went off in my head. It's like, everything I know about our country is through the news. And it's by living in a blue state. And the news that I'm getting is incredibly uh, anti-Bush. So I'm not getting the pro-Bush news at all. So I don't understand why people like Bush. But then I realized, like, in in an instant, it's because everything I think is being fed to me.
1: Do you know during the the DNC last week, the Con, the Khan speech a family who'd lost their son in Iraq in 2004 during their speech about their bereaved Muslim American son. Yeah. They're sorry that they're, 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 you know, they are bereaved. They'd lost their their son, Muslim American. So, serving in Iraq in, in 2004, during that speech, Fox news ran a commercial for, um, some movie or TV series about Benghazi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just ran it over the speech. So, if you are someone who habitually gets your news from, from that Fox outlet, news. you just don't hear that. Or even yet. worse, from what it's called is Real America, there's that. Weird? It's kind of a niche. It's so far to the right. I don't know. It's this weird TV news outlet. I think it's called Real America News. Anyway, it's like Rush, Rush Limbaugh TV, basically. Yeah. Um, if, you got, if you get your news from those media sources. You just never know. Right. You don't hear about it. It's not, again, I'll say this again, it's not about people being stupid. That's a very lazy liberal argument.
0: Totally. I agree. It's
1: not about stupidity at all. It's about the access to and willful misrepresentation of information.
0: Totally. And yeah, this was the moment where that clicked in for me, where I realized that... They
1: don't get their news from where you get your news.
0: (laughs) Right. Totally. And that that makes all the difference in the world. We are living in a day and age where... Um, even what's being fed to you online is tailored to your interests, so you're totally. still not necessarily getting the news. Now, you have to go out of your way to find out what's really happening. You
1: do. And e- now, even more than then when you had the experience in Florida, like I realized one of the reasons why I was so depressed by um, the, the way the Brexit vote went was that I didn't expect it. And the reason I didn't expect it was because none of my friends in the UK were expressing anything other than full-throated support for reigning in the European Union. Yeah and uh, probably even scoffing and that's at the a fact that the vote was happening right a broad cross section of yeah. the population you know it's not, like i have friends, i have friends from all over the place yeah. and none of them were saying oh, you know the leaf campaign's got a point none of them and the reason that i didn't expect it was because i realized i had been self selecting for the 10 years that i've had facebook basically the 10 years yeah. i've had a social media uh, profile yeah i have been filtering out by accident, by, you know, the the algorithmic, you know, approach that Facebook takes to showing you information. Mm-hmm. Or deliberately by blocking or unfollowing. I have filtered out anybody who doesn't basically think along the same lines as me. And right. that realization it's was very terrifying. Common.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because it's not like there's anything wrong with that. Like, I don't want to go on Facebook every day and be, uh, you know, hit with people. <laughs> Offended, basically. Uh, yeah. Like I, I have friends on Facebook who are very um like pro life right and i'm very offended by the idea that a woman doesn't have the right to choose what she does with her body i'm like deeply offended to my core by that belief yeah so when i see something like that on facebook i unfollow that person cuz i don't want to be uh i either unfollow or unfriend i generally you know, don't you know, unfriend people I but do, i
1: i do too i unfollow yeah. because I, I just don't, I see don't it. want to be i don't want to come out come back home from night out one night half cut and start an argument with that person that I'll regret. Yeah. I just don't want to ever... I, I want to still... I used to work with a guy who I really, really liked. This is going back a long way. This is like 2003, 2004, and I still worked in retail. And he was a really good guy. He was a great manager. He was a really good trainer of new staff. And he came from a coal mining town in County Durham. And I was this, like, educated middle-class kid who... Yeah gone to that town for university and I got my masters degree and everything else so we are so like socioeconomically we are we are worlds apart mm-hmm. and he was so good to me yeah. he was so cool and so helpful yeah and motivating in my choice of cuz I wasn't in retail for a career I was he was so supportive mm-hmm. super racist yeah so that experience taught me It's not quite as simple as you might think.
0: Totally. And that's exactly why I unfollow instead of unfriending is because I'm friends with everyone that I'm friends with for a reason. Yeah. And the one person I'm thinking of uh, who is very pro-life, I worked with for a couple of years and he was wonderful to work with. And he had, I mean, really, really intense... Ideas about the world that I that were polar opposites of what I thought, mm. but it was a very eye-opening experience to me to see that yes, he's also just a person, yeah. And these are the things that he thinks, and that is not a judgment on him as a human. You know, that's like a disagreement that he and I had exactly. And, and as as firmly as I believe anything that I believe, um, I in order for me to accept my own beliefs, I have to also believe that other people's beliefs matter.
1: And given enough time and clear air, you could talk about it. Right. You totally. might not come to an agreement and that you could talk about it. I totally. should say about well, this this guy I just mentioned. I should say um, that uh, his name is Dave. He also so had a bunch of... What was this other guy's name? It was Dave. <laughs> what? So it was Dave. So it's always fucking
0: Dave. It's always Dave. 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 You're dead, Dave. Did you of... watch Red Dwarf? Yeah. Okay, good. Just checking. <laughs> so we could have done that. We could have
1: done we that. We should have... Next time. Yeah, do that. we'll do a show a about, Red I so about Red Dwarf.
0: good. I gotta rewatch the whole show. We'll do it. Oh, I love that show. Anyway,
1: this guy, Dave, he had a bunch of Asian friends. I think Dave was just confused. <laughs> 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 but... Lovely, lovely guy. But he'd yeah. say some, like, horrendously shocking things, and I'd yeah. never I'd never do that thing of, like, ha, ha, ha. I would just yeah. go, eh, I'm going to walk away, or I'd argue with him. Yeah. But anyway, it made me realize that, actually, a, la- a large amount, a large portion of the way that people think and communicate, interact on their own, mm-hmm. in situations in which they're comfortable, you might want to call it, I don't know, societal t- tradition. If you are raised in a tradition where... Like it's funny to laugh at people that dress differently to you, right? Or it's funny you will do to that. laugh at people that right. have a different color of skin to you, right? Then you will, right? And you may never really realize the impact of that, right? Absolutely, so that's bathroom, super true. The bathroom true. law. I got in this argument on Facebook. actually wrote to recently with someone from the friend of a friend of a friend um, from Texas, who basically was like, "It's really simple. If you've got a dick, you pee where the dicks go."
0: It's like, not so simple. It's not
1: that simple. It's not that simple. And I wasn't equipped to have that discussion with him. Yeah. Actually, what I advised him to do was to go where the dicks go. I don't think he got it. Yeah. But,
0: um, yeah, it's know. so interesting. It's something that uh, I run into a lot, having moved here from a town where uh, there are things that you're supposed to make fun of. And you're not supposed to make fun of anything <laughs> here in Seattle, you know? No,
1: you're not allowed to. It's that that we're, we're kind of on the... On the, the the, the, the We're on the cutting
0: other. edge of, of like social uh, Port- normality pa- here.
1: Apparently, you and I know about a lot of comics, and apparently Portland is the one where you're like, Ugh, I have to really watch what I say in Portland. Like, you, yeah. you can't do a set in Portland that's ironically offensive towards any ethnic group I've heard. Yeah.
0: See, there's such a difference, though, between being ironically offensive and being um, offensive because you're not informed.
1: Well, ex- exactly. I think a lot of the, the problem, I think, with that, I'm generalizing again, is the fact that some people listen... More openly than others. Yeah, totally. You know? And I think the, the fundamental uh, principle here, I think, is that nothing is so sacred that we can't laugh at it. Totally.
0: And I also, I'm, I'm really into the idea of having conversations with people that have wildly different opinions than you. Like, I would go to work. Yeah. And uh, when I was working with my Dave, and would
1: say, how was your weekend? <laughs> I wonder if it was the same day. It wasn't the same Dave. It can't be the same Dave. <laughs> uh, and... My Dave used to stash porn mags above the, the ceiling tiles above the toilet in the, in this the shop. This is a different Dave. Dave,
0: Dave, but, and I'd say, how was your weekend? He said, it was good. I went, uh, you know, I had a uh, dinner with my wife. It was great. We went and protested some abortions at the clinic. It was really nice. Cool. And it, I've never, I mean, I've never had a conversation with someone before or since where that was something that was said in earnestness. Uh, and it was really eye opening to me, but this is someone who I considered a friend, you know? And and there's nothing wrong with me being a friend with someone who has views that are kind of despicable to me uh, because it's more despicable to uh, to throw people away because of it their is, views. It's, it's arrogant. You yeah.
1: do not become the evil that you condone in others. Uh, sorry, that you, um, that you um, uh, contempt in others. Yeah. And I think arrogance and closed-mindedness is an enormous problem among what I would call... Like classically molded liberals. Yeah. That you can't... absolutely. You can't just... You can't be so binary. Right. About things. Right. You can't just say these people are are, are wrong and I refuse to engage.
0: Right. Like there's a lot of people who I'm not going to change their minds, you know? And engaging them in a discussion about something that's important to me is not going to change their minds. Mm. But what might make them stop and think for a minute is if I live live my life in a way that makes me proud and makes me happy and is against their beliefs but they know me they like me they see me being happy doing this thing that they think is disgusting that might make them stop and think for a second <laughs>
1: you know one thing i would say about that though actually having just said that you should never uh, you know judge people on those binary lines one thing i do not understand and i and i i do have this argument sometimes not with religious people because actually i don't i don't tend to come into contact with a lot of very ethically religious people. But yeah. um, I don't understand why God needs you hmm. to firebomb abortion clinics or oh, picket yeah, abortion course. clinics. It's yeah. like, if you believe that there is a final judgment coming where everybody answers for their sins, the good go to heaven, the bad go to hell or just disappear in a proper smoke, <laughs> how left or right wing your particular you know uh, philosophy is, why does God who is omnipresent and omnipotent and omnipotent and omniscient why does God need you to to do that like to do anything God's got it covered like if you yeah. really think that <laughs> abortion is bad or that gay sex is bad God's got it like yeah. you they're, they're going to die one day God's going to fuck them up
0: yeah why Just live god, your life
1: exactly god yeah. doesn't need you yeah. to do his work for him
0: yeah, this is where the line in the sand to me is drawn. Is, is <laughs> that so arrogant. The difference uh, between like you and I and a lot of people that are filled with hatred is that they uh, will actively go out of the way to stop people from doing things that make them happy that are not hurting anyone else, right? That are not affecting anyone else. Like, of course, if you're um, going to go out and murder other people, that affects other people. That needs to be stopped. But if you're going to go out and love other people... That are of your same gender. That yeah. doesn't hurt anyone. And at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt anyone. And you like if God's to got try a to really stop that big problem crazy. with it. If yeah. God's
1: got a really big problem with gay sex. He's he's gonna send those people to hell. So yeah. don't even worry about it. Yeah, you're Just, right.
0: God's got it covered. <laughs> God's Let got him. it covered. Yeah.
1: God isn't telling you to do it. He doesn't need you to. He's literally omnipotent. Yeah. I'm not seriously yeah, making that argument because the argument right, right, right. is morally very craven right. and cowardly <laughs> and everything I just accused yeah. <laughs> several other people of being. But yeah, it's it's like, that's what it's I don't get, is why you'd put yourself in the position of being God's agent on Earth. He doesn't... No, he's not asking to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is a line between judging and dismissing people for their beliefs and recognizing that people... Um, acting out on their beliefs in a way that is negatively affecting other people that they shouldn't have anything to do with because it's their choice. Yeah. That is, that is not a healthy or correct action. So that's the thing that I take issue with.
1: Yeah, it's 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 moral arrogance, and there's a yeah. lot of it going around uh, yeah. on both sides of the argument. on both sides. Absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately,
0: like I have a hard time with politics, even following politics. We're now being put in a position I mean, every four years. Ugh, it gets
1: it gets bad again. It's ugly. Yeah, we're
0: being put in a position now where we really have to. It's we're we're in a like a lesser of two evils position, and I've really kind of pulled myself out. Um, Clinton, I, Clinton Trump, you mean? Clinton Trump, yeah. Like I'm so I'm so against Trump because Trump wants to get rid of health care. Trump, Trump wants to get rid of get Trump, rid of the option for women to have abortions. Jesse, Trump
1: doesn't want to be president. Trump is currently trying to pull the eject. You think so? As rapidly and as often as he fucking can. By being like a complete... he does not want to, President. He wants to be the guy that lost in a rigged election and he gets to complain about it for the rest of his life. Yeah. And everyone talk about him for one cycle. He does not want that fucking job. Well, he's doing a
0: bad job of it because he has
1: whipped up such insanity. Let's just the things he's done (laughs) that should have got him kicked off this ticket i know it's crazy that's
0: it's the incredible, problem incredible he isn't keeps it? doing those things and yet he's not kicked off the ticket which because he's like started this thing in motion that's bigger than well, he is well the
1: genie can't get back the, the genie's too big to put back yeah. in the
0: bottle i mean, I mean like I, there's these accusations of like sexual assault against women and
1: oh, well, just disgusting the despicable whole thing things. Is awful but at this point it's like he's literally doing the exact opposite of everything a Republican candidate needs to do to get elected. Yeah. He's insulting women. No but president... he's done that the whole time, and it served him very well. Oh, yeah, but now it's accelerating. It's literally yeah. like every week he's doing something which is like, oh, he didn't just do that. It, yeah. It's got to be deliberate. He just, he just wants to lose, but to say he could have won.
0: When I saw that thing about how he was like campaigning for uh, donations out of the U.S., which is a crime. It's illegal. It's literally... It is a crime. Illegal. And he's still... Like, that was before the convention. That was before he became okay. the official nominee.
1: Of the very few policies he's ever successfully articulated, the majority are anti-constitutional. Yeah. They are, again, literally illegal. Right. And it's not... N- 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 no one's calling him on it. Yeah. It's bizarre.
0: It's very strange.
1: Now, I honestly think he wants to be the guy that, that, that like, could have won. Right. He I doesn't... hope so. Because I don't... But where I'm... does that leave us? What does that say about the... The, the the state of democracy in this country, and I say so that, that as a, a as I've about... lived here for long enough to feel like I'm part of it.
0: It know? says a lot about the state of democracy in this country. It says it's a lot about the state truly that truly surreal uh, that a lot of people are are talking about voting for Hillary because Hillary's not Trump, not because they like Hillary, but I feel like I hear that almost every election. You know, yeah. Obama's the only uh, maybe maybe Clinton. Obama and Clinton. There was a lot of talk about being excited about that particular the first, person. The first Clinton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... I'm you, sorry, yeah, Bill Clinton. Yeah, people Bill were excited Clinton, about electing Bill Clinton. People were excited about electing Barack Obama. But only, like, I don't know, every other election I can remember in my lifetime was always a lesser of two evils sort of a situation. H- Hillary is
1: basically, um, and I say this as, as I, I can't vote. Uh, again, I would add that caveat. I don't want to sound like I'm preaching to people on the basis of, of, of you know... Um, my status as a foreigner I can't actually vote in this I am basically a hypocrite here But um, <laughs> Well just because you can Doesn't mean your opinions aren't valid Sure but you know I can't I feel like I'm in a bad position To tell people how to vote Given that I, I don't have the right To actually do that in this, mm. in this country But um, Noted <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the record uh, Hillary Hillary's unlikable mm. But she is By any objective standard uh, Barack Obama said this, you know, and I agree. She is the most qualified person ever to have run for president of the USA. You think so? Yes. Wow. Ever? On the basis of experience. Wow. No other candidate for president has had the the breadth of experience in senior government or and, and proximity to senior government as she has had. Hmm. But yet she has somehow held to an incredibly high moral standard, especially by the right-wing media. Yeah. Which is not true of any other male candidate that I can ever remember. Do you think it's because she's a woman? She's a woman. She's um, the she's a, the the wife of an adulterer. Yeah. She uh, has never tried to really make people like her, and she has spent. I I have a lot of friends who are like diehard Bernie supporters. I, you know, I, I threw some money towards the Bernie, Bernie Sanders campaign, but it's yeah. done. It's over. Yeah. It wasn't stolen from you. I'm sorry. Bernie didn't win because enough people didn't vote for him. It wasn't because it was rigged. So let's move on let's move on to Hillary let's look at Hillary well she's actually very qualified she spent her entire life in politics in service but she's a player yeah she's a political player yeah she she knows how to get, use the system no I, mean, I
0: I actually know very little about Hillary I, I am so upset by the state of politics in our country <laughs> that I've kind of like pulled out like, I, I follow the news of Trump crashing and burning because it brings me hope, but then it never goes anywhere, and then I get really upset. But I don't really know much about Hillary.
1: Hillary is a politician in the classic mold, and again, I don't want to, as a foreigner, I don't want to preach Americans here, but she is a politician in the classical mold, whereby she takes the opinion of the people, essentially, and pushes through on as much of the, the agenda that they uh, insist on mm-hmm. um, as she practically can she's not someone who is gonna come in with like you know high fluting claims about turning everything upside down yeah but she is someone who is successfully proven to adapt to the democratic will of the people like she has moved to the left on several things she's become a little more hawkish in in the, the light of, of the, a lot of the, the events of the last uh, you know 15 years yeah she has she has adapted she is someone who effectively does what politicians should do she takes what the message she's getting from the from the from the, the population the voting population and tries to 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 push as much of that as she can yeah. through legislation
0: maybe she's maybe just the, not
1: very likable
0: maybe the disappointment there is that a lot of people feel like we need a visionary right now well
1: that's the the thing so the reason people don't like her right now is because there's a lot of and this happened again to return briefly hopefully to brexit there's a uh, one of the politicians involved in Brexit, Michael Gove, who's just a horrible human being. He said in the middle of the campaign, people in this country are sick of experts. Mm. He used that argument. It's not an argument. It's just a statement and it's yeah. not true. Right. But he used that argument to dismiss the advice of the world's best experts <laughs> as to why you shouldn't leave the opinion. Yeah. Anyway, there's a general... Now, and it's blasphemy. Five years, maybe, is my feeling. There is a a huge mistrust of conventional politics. Yeah. So any conventional established politician will be viewed with a degree of mistrust by some of the voting population, the ones that feel like they haven't got any agency. Yeah. So she is an establishment candidate. This is her biggest problem. It's not her policies. It's not her record. It's that she is seen as being an established candidate. She's someone whose name has been talked about for president since 1992 since her husband entered the white house he jokes about her being a good president of the usa in the 90s so americans have been aware of her as a political presence for what is that now 25 years yeah that's her biggest problem is that she is seen as the candidate of 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 no change yeah um and trump is seen as the candidate of change
0: yeah which is so interesting because we for a while, we had Bernie, who was a candidate of change. Yeah. And a lot of what yeah. he said made so much sense to it me. It did, it did. I, I felt like Bernie was kind of preaching the sort of Star Trek future that I want to see come about in my lifetime.
1: His problem was that he, he I don't think he expected to get as far as he did, and he didn't have enough of a, of a he didn't really have a plan. I, hmm. My feeling, and I'm aware that I saw this, like everyone else, filtered through the a media, media that yeah. is, you know, uh, if not biased, ide- ideologically at least biased towards um, viewing figures. Uh, but my feeling was that he didn't successfully articulate very much more of a platform beyond just like the banks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I understand why people are worried about more than just... I mean income inequality is the issue of our time. Well, climate change is the issue of our time. But in, in, there's in, several issues of our time. Right. But the, <laughs> if you wanted to look at the the really the really like big bad ones, climate change, income inequality. Yeah. Um, he was very good at at articulating a, a, and um and mobilising people around the idea of uh, corruption in in politics, big money. One percent has all the wealth. 99 percent have have you know proportionally much much less of that. What he wasn't very good at is anything is explaining his policies on anything else, really. Hmm. And he didn't do a good job of debating with Hillary around any of the nuances of, of all the other parts of the job of being, of being president. And so she, being essentially a highly trained machine, just kind of shut him down. Uh, he would just talk about the banks. She would talk about, you know, yeah, other stuff. The whole system
0: is... Not working. I always
1: go back to John F. Kennedy. <laughs> Do great, you? The great late John F. Kennedy. So he, um, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, all his advisors were telling him, from McNamara down to all through all the Air Force chiefs, were saying, "Drop the bomb." Hmm. And he was saying. Wait, in the Cuban Missile Crisis? Yes.
0: I've never heard that
1: before. Yeah, here's a senior the Air Force, especially. I forget his name right now. General something. Like the senior Air Force commander was basically advocating heavily for a deployment of tactical nuclear weapons. Tactical nuclear weapons are a little bit less than Nagasaki, but I mean, it's a fucking it's a nuclear bomb. It's tactical. Yeah. they were they were they were advocating for a nuclear attack on on Cuba. Wow. Um. And if Kennedy had done that. It, Thing, if he had listened to all his advisors we, you and I might not be here. He might actually have started a, a small-scale nuclear war against the Soviet Union yeah. in a proxy theatre. Um, what he said was, um, "No, I am pretty sure that the Russians wouldn't want that any more than we would." Someone get me a line to Khrushchev. Wow. And if they 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 talked and they're like, "Yeah, this has gone a little bit too far," and they figured out a way of. Uh, with saving face mutually of stepping back. And they figured out, like, okay, some concessions that America could make publicly, some they could make privately, and vice versa. And they de-escalated. And it was two people deciding to bypass the brain trust yeah, and just get each other out on the phone and say, actually, our jobs are important enough that we should interface one-to-one. And it, that I, I come back to that a lot. I think Interesting. That's because a really I don't good point. know how often that happens anymore. Yeah. But that was a situation where you had a president who was aware of his responsibility and it was also like a a dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And not a military guy. Not a hawk, really. Yeah. Because he'd been burned from the whole Bay of Pigs debacle. He was not a fan of military intervention, JFK. And he and he just he knew enough to wanna just have a talk, have a chat.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Talking can save the world, I think.
1: No, I think it absolutely can. And, you know, what's very interesting, actually, if you hear Obama talk about Vladimir Putin, is he says, you know, Putin is very respectful, very, um, you know, meticulously polite,
0: huh.
1: remembers people's names. You know, he's, very, he's a very, very uh, polite Russian gentleman. Wow. Scheming like a motherfucker in the background. But, like, <laughs> when they're actually talking, it's all, you know, it's all adult stuff. It's not there's no mudsling and there's no you know yeah it's all just uh, professional adults talking to other professional adults and i think the world uh, what my trouble with with trump is I, I really can't imagine trump ever taking that mediating role yeah i mean i have other problems with trump too many so you're personally.
0: you're a a well educated thinking individual i'm medium well educated (laughs) what
1: what do you what do you think i look both before crossing the road that's as far as my (laughs) (laughs) intellect goes most days
0: what what do you think about like the state of the world and the state of politics i mean what do you think about just the general two-party system the fact that that's just kind of what's what we're stuck in like what what do you want to see happen is there a way forward that is positive in your mind i
1: don't know i mean i am an optimist Pretty much, the, the, my optimism falters on one issue, which is climate change. Yeah. And I on, I don't, the, one of the reasons I disagree strongly with the Bernie or Bust group, for example. Or people who with say, which group Bernie or Bust. Oh, okay. They never vote for Hillary because Bernie lost out. Yeah. Or people who just in general choose to abrogate responsibility for the democratic process and they just don't vote. My problem with those people is that you've got this issue, which is the defining issue of our time, and may ultimately in fact be the final issue of our time, yeah, which is um, man-made climate change, yeah, which is accelerating at an enormous rate, like the Arctic Ocean is eight degrees warmer than average, yeah um, which is fucking terrifying, so I get stuck on that, I get stuck there, because I'm like if you don't vote for. Advocate for support the party or the group or the spokesperson who thinks that we should probably do something about that, then you don't deserve to have an opinion I mean like fuck mm. you, yeah, like you can dis if 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 Trump was the guy saying climate change is a real thing, we should do something about it, and Clinton was the person saying climate change is a hoax. I'd vote for Trump because honestly, in ten years' time, everything else is local news, right. That's where I'm if at. If we don't have
0: an Earth to live on anymore, nothing it, else yeah. matters. Yeah, and I
1: think we've we've probably gone far. We've gone far beyond the point of no return at this stage. But the first step to admitting you have a problem, to, to, to dealing with the problem, is admitting you you have a problem. and yeah. we, If we don't start adapting very, very, very quickly, then all of this other stuff is just going to be details.
0: Yeah, yeah. According to Bill Nye, we've slowed the progression. But we haven't stopped it or reversed it. There's
1: more carbon in the atmosphere than ever before. Yeah. nothing's slowing.
0: Yeah, like we we need to we need to reverse yeah. what we're doing. Yeah,
1: no, there's and I think we are, you and I are probably the last generation that will remember any kind of normal. Yeah. Because there is even now there is no normal.
0: Yeah. You know? We we just haven't woken up to that yet. Like I I live a very yeah. carbon friendly lifestyle. I go out of my way. Like, this building that we're sitting in is a, uh environmentally friendly building, whatever that means. The place that I'm moving to next is even more so. Mm. Um, like, I compost, I use public transit, I bike. I go out of my way to not use more than I need, and then what I do use, I dispose of in a in the most environmentally friendly way possible. Sure. But that, I'm in the minority, and what I'm doing is not hard, you know? And also,
1: I mean, not to... Rain on piss on your cornflakes, but that's a drop in the ocean. Uh, right. Because totally. It, but if everyone did it, it, last, it wouldn't no, be. No, it wouldn't. That's that's the depressing thing.
0: Right. And it's not hard. But, but no, like, I'm not going to stop doing it because it's a drop I'm in the ocean. But we, with we need to get actually, everyone on it's that. not
1: It wouldn't make any difference. Changing your lifestyle now on a global scale wouldn't make any difference because, like, two years, what a year ago, two years ago, the Indonesian wildfires, which were barely reported in the states, that released. <laughs> An orders of magnitude more CO two into the atmosphere than you c- than any human being c- could ever hope to save through lifestyle choices. Really, I don't. It's, even... It's it's, it's, it, it, it's it's extraordinary. And then of course every year the Arctic warms more. Methane's reduced. Methane's like ten times more powerful than CO two in the atmosphere. The hmm. whole thing is a reinforcing cycle. There is nothing we can do about it except adapt. It doesn't matter if you recycle. Sorry, it it doesn't at all i'm not saying you shouldn't the more people that think that in that way the better yeah but it's not going to move the needle one iota what you've got to figure out is how to get all of that crap out of the atmosphere very quickly
0: yeah but i have to believe that that making those lifestyle choices at the very least can slow because if if you make the opposite it's going to get so much worse so much quicker that we that like that having any chance of recovery is going to I go think, out the window.
1: I don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I think, honestly, that's a classic example of individual liberal arrogance. Because it, it, there are 7 billion people on Earth. Mm-hmm. And the number of people who are gonna, who are able to sit here in relative luxury and comfort and make that, that life choice is insignificant compared to the rest of them. When economic progress so how do we is change, measured in industrial growth...
0: So how do we change the, the, the mind of the average person to get them to be aware and to do you know, things that will it, at least at least not worsen the problem. I
1: don't care whether people think that the increasing number of tornadoes, the increasing number of floods, the increasing number of droughts wildfires are the result of a cycle, a natural cycle, mm-hmm. God's will, whatever they want to believe. I don't care what they think is causing it. As long as they all agree that we should probably start planning for more of that in the future. Yeah. Like, I don't care how they think it's caused. And I don't think that them changing their life in any way will make any difference in our lifetimes to the frequency of those events. Yeah. I just want them to agree we should do something about it. Yeah. So I would like to move people away from this mindset where it's like, if I recycle, it'll help. It won't help. What'll help is if you vote for parties, vote for for, for statesmen, statesmen, statespeople, who think we should try and do something about this. Who think we yeah. should divert a lot of funding into things I think like we have to do both Like
0: I, I think <laughs> we and have carbon to carbon capture because if no matter what we do if people aren't uh changing their individual behavior it like even if we find ways to help no, if, if individuals aren't changing it will not go anywhere. I
1: actually agree. Well, the, the point the only point I'm making is I don't unfortunately think it will make the a difference. Yeah. The individual agency element of it, but I think that the more people who believe that they need to be concerned about this, yeah. the better, because yeah. then the more prepared we will be. We cannot change this. We cannot change what's coming. We can, at the very least, uh, adapt to it to some extent. Yeah. Carbon capture is a thing. Salination is a thing, but it's something that has yet to be adopted on, you know, a, a, a multi-governmental governmental level. Right? Yeah. We're not stable enough. We were maybe stable enough in the mid to late nineties, maybe. Yeah. To have done something about it. Do you remember when in the eighties when CFCs got banned? Yeah. They found a hole in the Ozone layer. Like two years later on, all the governments in the world were like, yep, CFC's a bad thing, ban them. Yeah. Remember how easy that was?
0: Yeah. I think about that all the time. Like when I And how we
1: could never do that now.
0: Like when you see like styrofoam cups and stuff in restaurants. Um Like in Seattle it's so much better. But if if all the policies that were in place in Seattle were in place everywhere where you can't have Landfill products yeah, for food service. Of course, it makes such a big difference, and like I, I shop at the co-op where when I get Saran wrap, it's compostable Saran wrap. So like everything that I buy, um, as much as possible, is something that can that will not add to the problem. And
1: yeah, I we, think but that's... we need to
0: legislate that. Like we need yeah. to legislate that across the board so that there isn't an option to buy otherwise there isn't an option to buy something else and the problem would get what the even if the problem didn't get better the uh the worsening of the problem would slow or stop
1: i think i don't even i i i don't think the problem would slow or stop but what i think would happen was that is that the more people who are of that mindset the more support meaningful measures to address the problem would 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 get yeah yeah well, yes. either way, we want the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I just, yeah. I, I, I think the the, the the issue now is not one of like, let's act now because we can stop things. We can't stop things. Yeah, yeah. I eight guess the only degrees warmer than normal. The only issue I, I take I think with, I think with that's your Celsius.
0: The only issue I take with what you're saying is that. Um, is that everybody has to take individual responsibility for this. Everyone across the whole planet needs to take individual yeah, responsibility Yeah, because then they can vote
1: people into power You right. can actually do something about it. Because but not just that. Can't. I mean,
0: you vote with your dollar also. Like, even right. even if I'm not composting the compostable, sh- like, saran wrap that I'm buying, <laughs> yeah, but this is the 1%. I still, this I is still the 1% need to buy that, again. you know? But, but that's the thing is, like, let's spread the word, like, through... I mean, hopefully through legislation at some point, but we can still, like... I mean even if it's hopeless let's do something you know let's take individual responsibility no, I, and do I, something
1: I agree where I get stuck is like it's it's this is a luxury this conversation is a luxury because if yeah. you're if you're making do like a lot of people do on very little money per week per month you're not shopping ethically you're shopping according to the needs of you and your family right so And we, I I shop you
0: know. to the point where, like, I don't have disposable income because of the way I shop, because of the way I spend money on food, <laughs> because that's important to me, uh, not just for environmental reasons, but for my own health reasons. Yeah, I don't want to put things into my body that I don't mm. trust or at least have of a, a pretty solid reason to trust. So, I mean, I, I'm making that personal choice, you know, and... And that's something that I think is a good thing.
1: And I think we, we just to try and loop this back to the original conversation, I think these are these are the kind of these are the kind of conversations that that Douglas Adams was having towards yeah. the end of his life. I mean he was yeah, a very totally. close environmentalist. And totally. if you read the if you read the books, especially the books, but if you listen to even the radio series, the first version of this whole thing in the late seventies, there's a very, very strong environmental thread running through it all. Yeah. That humans, that nothing matters. Humans are essentially dumb. We've ruined Eden. Uh, it's all in there. It's it's yeah. all in there from the late seventies onwards. He, you know, he was, uh, and especially the the uh, I forget which. I think it's in it's in season one of the radio series. I think it's in book two of the books. But the Golga the group that gets, to, yeah. Yeah, that gets put on the spaceship and sent off into space, and it's all the middle management yeah. telephone. It dates it, it's dates it a lot, actually, the telephone sanitizers.
0: Yeah. Do you remember those? I don't, but I the, thought it was so I, funny. I vaguely do. It and was... then all of the, the A and the C arc people died because of a dirty telephone. <laughs> right. So,
1: so the telephone sanitizers were, were uh, it was a job I think it was never like a job job. I think it was the job of sanitation people in big office buildings was to go around and 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 antiseptic wipe Wow, the telephones. Yeah, um, stop people from getting diseases off the phones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the the whole concept is that all these middle managers and and, uh, and hairdressers and telephone sanitizers get put to the spaceship, sent to space, and told, "You are the advance guard of three spaceships. Yeah. We're right behind you. Yeah, uh, you know, go forth, colonize the planet that you reach. We'll follow you. We'll, you know, we're right behind you. We promise." Um, we'll see when we get there, and all it is is one great big excuse to rid the population of one of the most useless third, useless yeah. third of their number. Yeah, and then they end up in the on this planet, which ends up being Earth. Yeah, and they and they ruin it. And the whole the whole tragic joke of the first, I suppose, story cycle of Hitchhikers is that we had Eden and we fucked it up. And not yeah. just
0: that, but we had a chance to find the ultimate question. Yeah. Yeah. Of life, the universe, and everything, but because yeah. these people showed up, it kind of skewed. they showed up.
1: They out evolved the indigenous, the cavemen. Exactly. They they yeah. they made them extinct. So then, when they look in and Arthur's mind to try to find the program,
0: yeah. it's uh, the forty two. What is six times nine? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then so. Arthur
1: says, "I always knew there was something deeply wrong with the world."
0: Yeah. Totally. Yes.
1: The the idea essentially yes, it is that you know we 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 blew it. Yeah. Basically. But, yeah. yeah, I mean that's you know, like I said, gets pretty pretty fucking fucking bleak, but yeah, there's, enough See, but there's this part of there. me <laughs> that
0: there's this part of me that that knows that uh, th- there's these conflicting halves of me. One of me knows that humanity has the power to destroy this planet, right Oh of course knows that yeah. there's this other side of me that really believes that um, all things are fleeting, including humanity. In some way. And that... Finding a way to... earth will be fine. Finding a way to live positively is really the only thing that matters. Yeah. And, like, what are you doing with your life? Is what you're doing with your life positive? Are you going in a positive direction? Are you doing the things that you care about to try to make the world the most livable place possible? And try to make yourself as happy as possible? If the answer to that is yes, then don't worry. Don't panic. You know? Do what you're doing. Don't
1: panic, yeah. I don't know, man. I think I'd think differently if I had kids.
0: I think that I would try to teach that message to my kids if mm. I had kids, and I hope to someday.
1: I asked a great friend of mine back home in England years and years ago, and I said, "How do you like? You just had a kid. How do you do? You worry about the the world?" And he said, nah, I'll be fine." He said, "What time she's eighteen? Should be living on Mars?" Yeah, <laughs> we're living in the time where
0: climate change is a problem, so we need to do something about it now. Yeah, don't don't. Think about what might happen later. Do something now. You know, don't live in fear of what might happen right now. Do something to fix it. And if it gets worse, then figure it out when we get to that point. Um, plan ahead, but don't live in fear because if if everything's going to shit, it's gonna to go to shit. And if it's gonna to go to shit, it's gonna be miserable. There's no use being miserable right now because of what may or may not happen later.
1: I just try, I, I comfort myself occasionally. Um, my, my my grandmother and grandfather got married in 1939. And I th- think I'm right in saying August 1939. So they got married, it turns out, about three weeks before the outbreak of the Second World War. Wow. And the reason they got married was that um, my grandfather was very ill. He'd been in hospital with um, TB. So he his life expectancy was very short at that point. He didn't generally survive TB in the late 1930s. So he yeah. thought he was limited in his span. <laughs> my um, grandmother was a nurse. They met, and they got they got married basically because they didn't know what was going to happen because Europe was on the brink of out and out war second yeah. time in their lifetimes. Wow! And it must have been it must have been such a weird time to yeah. to stare at this you know um, impending disaster, having lived through the First World War. My grandmother lost half her extended family in the First World War. And the epidemic of flu that followed it, and, and looking at what was obviously going to be a global conflict, and going, "Well, fuck it," I suppose we should get married. And I bring myself, uh, you know, some comfort. Yeah, there's with so much that. beauty because in that. It's that. not, it, it's not. We are not the first generation to face this. I think we are yeah. the first generation to face the possibility of an extinction of the future, as humans have traditionally understood it. Yeah. We are, we are facing a potential full stop and it, it's very, very, very hard to think that one through in terms of yeah. your individual agency as a human being. Yeah. But anyway, my granddad and lived my, to a my ripe answer, old age.
0: See, like my answer to that is my answer to everything, which is live in the moment yeah. and enjoy don't, what you have. Don't panic. Don't panic.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Barney Britton. This has been a fascinating conversation. Yeah, it was fun, man. This Thank is great. I, I
1: almost feel like the Hitchhikers' bit of it was the possibly the least <laughs> interesting. I'll
0: probably cut this into two. I'll probably have the Hitchhikers yeah. be an episode, and then uh, everything else we talked about be episode. I item. mean,
1: man, geez, everyone should should read Douglas Adams because it, it's he he is so in so gloriously gloriously inconsistent.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting but to me how, like, I'll, I, I've i done this a lot now. I'll have people come over. We'll talk about the thing that we talked about talking about. <laughs> and then we will talk about something, like, really intense. It's
1: funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's, something like, that, it's like a like, pub conversation where you have to hear yourself, hear yourself speak.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting because I I continually find that sci-fi as a jumping off point brings us to talk about uh, life, the universe, well, and that's, everything. I, I think that's, that's what I meant
1: earlier. I said, that, that, you know, I think I said to you, the best sci-fi, the further out that it goes... The, the closer it comes back to the essential yeah. human, but it's, it's like philosophy. I studied philosophy at university through to an, a, a postgraduate level, and the the more, the more far out philosophy gets, the more speculative it gets. Yeah. The closer it gets to mathematics, and the further out and more speculative mathematics gets, the closer it gets to philosophy until the two basically that's overlap.
0: So, that's the whole premise of the foundation books by Asimov.
1: I actually haven't... You know, I, my reading of, is very incomplete around Asimov. Yeah. I need to get into me, it. Me too. I've I only like read H- half of the Heinlein, first... Heinlein I like book. a lot. I've read a lot of Heinlein. Yeah. Because yeah. he's very lyrical. But I mean, I, reading up on, on Hitchhiker's led me to the Asimov story that I mentioned earlier on, the, yeah. the, the ultimate question. I've been and reading... I really uh, want to read that now.
0: I've been reading the Asimov uh, robot stories, the complete robot stories right. recently. Yeah. And it's been um, wonderful. Like, every short story opens up a new pocket mm. of imagination in my mind really I, I think
1: cool. douglas adams owes a lot to not only asimov um obviously and and that was a very it wasn't an accidental thing that was a very i think when you look at the parallels it's a very deliberate tribute to asimov the deep yeah thought yeah construct yeah. but i think he also owes an awful lot to vonnegut and if you look at um especially um slaughterhouse five the the absurdity mm. and hopelessness and and warmth of that yeah is very, is very, very close to, I think the spirit That's of Douglas That's a Adams.
0: really good point. I love absurdist stuff. I really love it. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I hold very dear that are very absurd. Like being John Malkovich is one of my favorite movies and it's <laughs> totally an absurdist movie.
1: You know, I have, you probably know this already being a fan, but you know the bit where it's like, um, someone throws something at him and goes, uh, what is it? Like look sharp. What does if someone says, what, what does it Americans say when they throw things at you?
0: Uh, Oh, hey, hey, Malkovich! Think fast, think fast, right? I Someone think that's at thing. Think fast. It was a, yeah.
1: it was an extra on set. He'd been on set for all like the whole yeah, day. Yeah, they'd was,
0: been like circling that block and over was, and over. And
1: just, it's been drinking because yeah. he was so fucking bored. Yeah, got blind drunk and just threw something at John Malkovich. Yeah, and they used that cut. Oh, anyway, I love it! Little facts. I think I heard that from a podcast. I adore that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Man.
0: Podcasts are great. When's this they issue
1: coming out? When do I get, when I can, I send a copy of this to my dad. <laughs> this will probably come
0: out <laughs> in about a month. Because I, I'm like, I scheduled a whole bunch of podcast recordings way closer together than I normally do.
1: You've been pushing them out pretty. I I generally do
0: once a week, but normally people cancel on me all the time. Oh really? So this is the first time I've been
1: looking forward to this for weeks. Like someone wants to come on a podcast. I always
0: like half expect people (laughs) to not show up because it happens so often. But recently, everyone has shown up, so I've now like collected a bunch. So I have, uh, two. Two episodes to put out before this, maybe three. And I'm recording another one tomorrow. Cool. I've got a lot coming up, but it'll it'll be out within a month. Uh for well, sure. The first half uh, and the second half of the week after.
1: Just for the sake of an easy edit for the end, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, talking.
0: this has been great. Uh are you on Twitter or anything? Can
1: we um, follow you? <laughs> am I on Twitter? I am. Um I think the last thing I put on Twitter might be a pretty uh, pre I don't know pre Maybe. <laughs> when was Twitter invented? Well, um, a lot of my listeners are
0: on Twitter, and they'd love to follow you, so um, what's your handle?
1: Okay, well, you know what? Let's just guess at one, and I'll make one if I don't have one. It's, um, <laughs> my name is unique enough that I'm sure I can get at Bonnie Britton on Twitter if I don't have it already. Cool. That works. I'm on Tumblr. Bonnie Britton. T- Bonnie Britton again. I'm on Instagram. It's Bonnie Britton. I'm on Facebook. It's Bonnie Britton. <laughs> That's a good thing, having a name that no one else has. You know, I have, yeah. I have, a, my, I have this one person in the world with my name. Really? And I requested his friendship on Facebook and he accepted it and we haven't exchanged a single word. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. No interest in knowing him. I love it. But I'm his friend. Yeah. (laughs) He's an old white guy from the Midlands back in England. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably a fucking ex a leave the (sighs) European Union supporter for all all I know.
0: (laughs) But I'm sure he's read Douglas Adams. Probably.
1: Everyone has. I think it actually might be on the curriculum even.
0: Really? In the UK?
1: I think it might be you know now.
0: That's great. It should be here, but it's not.
1: God, it should be everywhere.
0: It should be everywhere.
1: Don't panic. Don't panic.
0: All right. Thanks, well, let's do Well, let's do this again soon. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've reached the end of yet another intense conversation. This one got intense. I'd like to say one last time, please recycle. Please keep recycling. If anyone stops recycling because of this podcast, I will be very upset with you. You know, something we didn't talk about during that recycling talk, technology is improving all the time. Recycling technology is improving all the time. Uh, Sustainability is improving all the time. I see it all around me in Seattle all the time. And that gives me hope. So yeah, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I don't know if Barney's right or not, if we're in a situation where it's past the point of no return. But even if that's true, that can change with technology. And we have brilliant people on this planet working on this problem. We need more people. We need everyone to get on board. But you know what? I have hope. So I'm going to leave you with that. Next week, I have David Barr-Kirtley, the host of The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, which is uh, quite possibly the most successful sci-fi podcast out there in the market. If you've never listened to the show, definitely go check it out so you can get familiar with David and his work before we get to chat with him next week. I am, of course, Jesse Mercury. If you'd like to learn more about me, hear more of my music, you can do so at jessemercury.com. While you're there, sign up for CBS All Access. You're going to need it to watch the new Star Trek show. Uh, Sign up through my website and you'll help support this podcast. So jessemercury.com, click the banner on the right for CBS All Access. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Stay nerdy. I'll see you soon.